0: Genesis chapter 4, and one of those first is going to be very relevant for our world events today with the violence that was carried out and murder against many Israelis, and also Americans, by the way, that's being reported. Um, I, I, I think the number's... I think I saw an increase of that number into the 20s, I believe, if I'm correct on that. They were saying 12, but I think there was a recent uh, uh, increase of that. And I think, uh, we haven't heard details, but some of those, if not a lot of those, possess dual citizenships. Uh, They're doing that today. I kind of, I'm not sure I agree with that, but that is, I think, the basis of what they're why they're calling them Americans? Because I know there are some that I hear. I've heard some on the speak on the radio. There's a Christian Joel. Uh, what was like his last name? He, he's written a lot of novels, but uh, he has dual citizenship, where he's an American and he established citizenship in, in Israel also as a Jew. So that may account for some of the American numbers, um, but um, we have the first murder. Here in Genesis chapter 4. And this has been Satan's work on the earth. He was behind this. He's behind every murder. He was behind these murders in these recent days. And so we'll look at that and talk about that. Very significant. First first birth is going to be here. And the first murder. So we go from one spring to the other. God gives life. Satan works to take away that life. That's what we see here. All right, verse 1, Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And Eve spoke the truth right there. This was God's gift to her. Life comes from God. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And what why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. So the first birth and the first murder. There's one more in sandwich in between these. There was the first offering, sin offering, brought to God, the first recorded one. It very well could have been that Adam had done this before, but here's the first recorded sin offering and a major um, situation arises out of that. So let's talk about these three, these three firsts. The first birth, Eve conceives and bears Cain and says, I have acquired a man from the Lord. We are not told how much time transpires from, from this, from the time when Adam and Eve sinned and left the garden to the time when they had their first child, I think that we can say that it probably wasn't that long. Just in, you know, human nature, <clears throat> uh, common sense that God had told them, they had understood now that they were going to reproduce and have children. And God had told them to be fruitful and multiply. And the logical conclusion and the natural thing would be that that's what began to happen. And it probably wasn't that long of a time that that happened that now Eve was pregnant and and then she had her first child. Notice the wording here in verse 1. She conceived. The scriptures emphasize the wording she conceived and bore Cain. In that wording, in the first birth, I believe the scriptures speak definitively to us of when life begins and then this process that works out that concludes in a birth. The two statements are conception and birth. She conceived and she bore Cain. That describes the birth process that occurs over approximately nine months of time. I believe we have here a wording from Scripture identifying when life begins in these statements. We certainly know it ends in a birth at the end of nine months, but when does that life begin? Scriptures identify conception. That's when half the DNA from the father, half the DNA from the, the mother come together and form a new person. And there is a new identity made with half from the father, half from the mother, then a new set of DNA genetic material forms that's unique, that is unlike, completely unlike, totally unlike, it's not an exact replication of the father and the mother, it is a combination, but it becomes a new person, a new combination that has never existed before And it's not duplicated with any other person. It is unique. And that's the case with each one of us. We're, We're all unique. In the genetic combinations we have, there's no other person exactly like us. We are unique in the genetic combination of the... I didn't look that up. The 23, 24 chromosomes, I think it's 23, come together, that make up your genetic code. I have a twin brother. I have an identical twin brother. We're similar in many ways, but we're not identically identical in every way. There's some differences. That's the thing with twins. It's kind of interesting. There's some, there is some uh, very clo- much closeness with some genetic material, but there's always a difference. Uh, and it begins at conception. The Bible emphasizes here, she conceived, and that was the beginning of life. That is when life began. And it started as one cell. But the Bible indicates that's when Cain began. And then those cells multiplied and became two and became four and became eight. And that's how life grows. The cells multiply and divide and multiply till then the organs were formed and, and the body was formed over those nine months. And then Cain was birthed. But Cain's life began when he was conceived. That's when his life began. Yeah, he was one cell, but he was a new being, a new identity. And, and, and Eve's wording here, I have acquired a man from the Lord, is very informative and very much on target. Because for God is involved in the process, He has equipped man, made male and female, so that they can they physically have the ability to reproduce. But I believe the Bible indicates that God gives the spirit. The parents provide the physical genetic material, but God gives the spirit. Malachi chapter. chapter 2 or 3 speaks of this. It says when he speaks of a man and a wife and he's talking about divorce there, but he says, why did he make them one? That they have a remnant of, and they have a remnant of the Spirit is the wording there. And I believe that's that's the statement that when a child is born, you have a physical body. You have a what's called the life, the soul of that body, where that becomes a living being. But there's a third component. It's the spirit of that person that is eternal, that will live on forever after that point, either away from God or with God. And that spirit was given by God. And that's what God does. God's involved in every single conception. And his part is to give the spirit and to truly give that collection of that collection of material genetic material life, and that happens at conception, and that's when life begins. And once God starts that process, man has no right to end that process. If a man does, if any person does, it's murder. And the only exception to that, is that we'll see later in the book, you'll notice here, we read the wording, at this point, God did not allow capital punishment. That's the, that's the point of the <clears throat> end there. because And I think it was practical reason, because there was only three people on the earth at that time. And if Cain had been killed, it just... It, God needed to let life multiply. God was not allowing capital punishment at this time, but later he did. After the flood and the world became so evil, so much violence, so much murder, God said, I now institute capital punishment and it became part of what government does. Life begins at conception and it is not to be ended. by man on the earth, Only, only government has that ability with the sword. Only in certain circumstances... Authorized by God. Ultimately, God's the only one that can make the life and death decisions. And when a person dies, it's God's decision of when he calls that person into the spiritual realm. But here's a great statement uh, life begins at conception, and uh, this is God's work, God is involved. And uh, Cain, and, uh, or rather, Adam and Eve, recognize this eve recognizes proclaims it this is a fulfillment of of her journey before that uh, satan had deceived her and then a the part of her curse was she was going to have pain and childbirth she went through that she experienced it and then went through it and 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 uh, birthed that child and said i've acquired a man from the lord it was painful but she made it women have been having babies ever since So this is God's process and this is what He has set up. It became worse through the curse, but this is how life is reproduced on the earth. Now let me say a quick word of how this. this, uh, we need to be very clear on this today. We need to be ready to take a stand against the taking of innocent human life, of babies in the womb, baby murder, in the womb, it's, you know, abortion has been put in been the label, put on it. But in the way, that's kind of a cover for it. It's kind of to make it sound like a medical procedure. Uh, that's part of the cover. It is it's murder of a baby in the womb. And it is murder any point after conception. That's the point that we draw the line. Because that's the point of life. But there is a great moving away from that among those who claim to be believers, who claim to be defenders of life. The unbelievers, they're not going to listen to God. It's not much of a surprise that they're going to advocate for the killing of babies if a mother just doesn't want the baby. But believers, conservatives who say Our platform is we defend life. We're pro-life. We defend the lives of babies. But do you know the common position that is rising up today is that we're going to allow abortions up to a certain point of time during the pregnancy. And Republicans are trying to figure out what that number needs to be. If you're following the presidential debates, that exactly is the topic being debated. And the fact that Ron DeSantis in the early debates, I think it was the first one, it came up about how his state was uh, pursuing a five-week ban. And all of the mentality about it and all the talk around it was it, how extreme Ron DeSantis is and Florida is by saying, That you can't kill babies after five weeks. How extreme. That's where we're at. Because even five weeks is unacceptable. Five weeks after conception? No. And that's being seen as the extreme position. And what is being called for is we got to have a more mediating uh, uh, position here. And, And basically there are two camps for me. To say that we will say it's murder once that baby has a heartbeat is the first camp. And you'll see all kinds of heartbeat laws. And that is typically, I'm going off the top of my head, I'm getting, the numbers are getting foggy. Um, so I may have to double check this, but I believe it's eight to ten weeks is that. Some are advocating for that. Oh, let's, let's say it when there's a heartbeat. There's a heartbeat. That's when we're going to say that that's when life, but we're going to defend it. Those same people will say, well, life, yeah, technically life begins at, obsession, at conception, but we're going to zero on this heartbeat because they say, this is what we can try to politically accomplish and we can advocate for this, and the other side can't argue this. <laughs> if there's a heartbeat, then that life's protected. <coughs> that means they're not going to protect all the babies under that time period. The third camp goes farther and they say, oh no, that's too extreme. Let's say when the baby can feel pain and that's going to be about 16 to 20 weeks. And that's where a lot are landing. In fact, I see it. That's where the majority of Republicans are moving toward of saying, that they're going to allow abortion anytime before the baby can feel pain. And that's about 16, around 16 weeks, 16 to 20. That's where a lot of the pro-life people are moving. And I say to that, they are no longer pro-life. They are not protecting life. They are willing to kill babies. Early stages, and that's murder. Because life begins in conception. It's in the Republican pr- uh, platform to say life begins in conception, but they have they, they they ignore it and they're trying to to uh, mediate and have this position they think plays better to the world. And that's where Republicans are going. That was my objection. when I, They set this up before when they were saying, oh, well, we've got to uh, overturn Roe v. Wade in stages. We've got to just advocate for small steps. And they advocate for these same things. They advocated for a 20-week ban or a 16-week ban or a heartbeat bill. And when I'd hear that, I was like, well, you're sanctioning the murder of all those babies underneath that. How can you do that? Now, Well, it's just a step. It's just a step. We're gonna take one step at a time, and we're gonna. Our goal is to get there. We're gonna get there to conception, but we just can't do it totally one big leap. We've got to take small steps. It was all a lie. It was all a ruse. It was a complete lie. They never wanted to get to conception, and we're seeing that now. Once Roe v. Wade was overturned, and each state could do what they wanted, those pro-life Republicans then began to advocate for a 16-week bill or a heartbeat bill. Very few advocated for conception. Arkansas was one of the few that did. But even at that, they, they allowed exceptions for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. So they're not fully, we're not fully pro-life. They allow ex- exceptions to say, oh, in this case, we will murder that baby. A crime was committed, so we're going to murder that baby. That baby didn't commit the crime. That baby had nothing to do with that. And it is unjust to kill that baby for the crime of somebody else. So we have to look at this biblically. And that life begins at conception. And we must protect all life. And so we have an opportunity to stand for that these days. And it won't be popular. But we must stand for what the Bible says. Conception begins. The life. All right. Second, the first, the first uh, sacrifice. Verse three, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, the scriptures say, "Process of time." So, time has uh, gone by. He appears to be an adult at this point. So, we could we uh, realize that several years have transpired. There is a gap of time here. And we'll see this several times in the book of Genesis when it'll say in the process of time. And we understand that that means that uh, several years have gone by. Cain uh, tilled the ground. He was a farmer. Abel, his brother, who was born after him, was a keeper of the sheep. And each brought then a sacrifice to the Lord of their work. And Cain's offering was not accepted. And the debate then becomes, why did God not accept this offering? And I think the answer is clear when we uh, look at the big picture of uh, God's work of salvation. And he had begun to set this up that we noticed before with the uh, uh, making of the first clothes where he killed an animal and made coats of skin out of an animal. And that was a picture of the blood atonement as how God would bring forgiveness of their sins to Adam and Eve. And I believe it carried over that Adam and Eve understood that, God taught them that, and they began to offer then a sacrifice to God that was to be a blood sacrifice. And Abel, as the keeper of the sheep, was keeping those sheep who then would be used to make the sacrifices. And later we see this would get instituted in the nation of Israel in a large way that they would have regular sacrifices to make with the sheep, with the goats. And it was the blood sacrifice that was important that God accepted to forgive sins. Even though those animal sacrifices didn't forgive sins, but they pictured and paralleled Jesus' blood sacrifice on the cross. And so the offering here was to reflect Jesus. It was to picture Jesus being offered as the Lamb of God. So Abel's sacrifice matched that. Cain's sacrifice did not match it. Look what it does. It actually contradicts it. Cain's sacrifice was of his own works, of his hands, the the, uh, fruit of the ground that was from the cursed ground. So it represented, it pictured man's cursed work And uh, Abel bringing his works to God and saying, God, let that atone for my sin. This was a picture of works salvation. Whereas Abel's offering was a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus. That is why God rejected Cain's offering. Now, we can't know how much Cain knew that directly from God. I think God had made it clear. Uh, Even if he hadn't directly stated it, the, the uh, events that had transpired in his family that, that surely Adam and Eve talked about, he should have understood that. And so Adam or Cain, rather, here, is at fault. Uh, and, of course, we know God never makes a mistake and God is never unfair, and so uh, we can't charge, say that at all. But I believe Cain knew. I believe Cain knew this, and this was an act of defiance. Even to the point to say, well, you know, God has said there must be a blood sacrifice. But I think my my crops are pretty good. I think that we ought to have a sacrifice for my crops. And he brought it and tried to just defy God's system with his own works. And God had to deal decisively with that. And he did not accept that offering. And Cain was angry. I think that in verse six betrays Cain's attitude that he was defiant against God. He did not have good motives here. And he was justly rebuked. For it dealt with the very heart of the gospel and the heart of God's work of salvation on the earth of the blood sacrifice. And that was the only sacrifice God would accept. And it is only in sacrifice that he can accept is the blood of Jesus to forgive our sins. If you try to atone for your sins any other way, you will receive the same reaction from God that Cain did. If you try to earn your salvation through your own works, you can appear before God and say, God, these are my works and I can get into heaven and live with you forever based on those works. You will hear the same thing that Cain did. He will say, I will not accept that. It is unacceptable. This is what it pictured. Look at verse 7. The wording here is significant (coughs) from God. He speaks to Cain. And he says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. And you should rule over it. This is the same wording. Exactly the same structure of wording. God spoke to Eve in the curse pronounced to her. when, When he said, Because you've done this, then you have pain in childbirth. And then he said, your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. That phrase is exactly the same as what he quotes to Cain here. Sin, desire is for you, but you should should rule over it. And here was Cain, the product of Eve and her sin, Cain now is dealing with the same thing. And God says to him, sin is coming after you and crouching at your door. And you, but you should make the right choice. And you should overcome it do what is right. That's God's word to all of us. As we deal with temptation, we deal with issues of right and wrong. God comes to us and says, yeah, I know you're tempted. I know sin is after you, but you can't say, well, I couldn't help it. Oh, I just can't change this. God says, no, yeah, sin's after you, but you should overcome it and do what is right. And we can. With God's help, we can. You never believe the lie and say, "Well, I just can't do this. I just can't do what is right. I can't overcome this sin in my life. Yes, we can, with God's help. And that's what God says to Cain here. Cain didn't have an excuse. Cain didn't say, "Oh yeah, God, I just couldn't help it." you know God says, "No, you should have done what is right here, and you could have. and I will help you." Cain was at a moment of decision. He had made the wrong decision here. And when God rebukes him, instead of then correcting his way, Cain decides to go farther the other way, exactly opposite the other way, and to run from God in the other way. And that was the last first that we look at, the first murder. Cain and his anger, and, and that's a very important truth here, uh, this anger. We need to be on guard against anger. Anger can motivate us to do things that we should not do. And men, particularly with us, I think there's a particular warning for us is that we can be susceptible to anger, emotions rising up into us strongly and taking over and moving us to do something that we should never do. We've got to be on guard about that. Cain let his anger rise up in him to the point that he plotted the death of his brother and then carried it out one day when they were out in the field. And he said, here's my chance. I'm going to get even with Abel. Abel hadn't done anything. He's actually mad at God. Cain's mad at God and he takes it out on his brother who's doing what's right. That dynamic plays itself out over and over in our world. And it is the underlying issue of a lot of murders today. It's the underlying issue of the events these last couple of weeks. Anger. Fueling hatred. That then results in murder. And he killed his brother. God comes and says, where is Abel your brother? And Cain, is he smarts off to God. I think he clearly smarts off to God. He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He's totally smarting off to God. His heart is so so, uh, ruined here, rotten. He becomes the first murderer. And he becomes the first murderer following his father, the devil. Listen to Jesus' words in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, speaking to the uh, Jewish priests who were fighting Jesus, arguing with him. He says in verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus said that Satan was the first murderer. And I think he's speaking. I think he's speaking of this event. That Satan was behind this murder of Abel. Cain carried out. He was a willing and accomplished, But Satan was there saying, I can't, you know, you can't let this go. God was so unfair to you. Abel doesn't deserve this. You need to take Abel out. That was Satan's message to Cain. Cain listened to it. and Cain followed his anger and carried that out. I believe Satan was involved in this, even though he's not mentioned particularly. You have these both extremes. God gives Cain to Eve. He gives the first birth. He gives new life on the earth. That's what God does. He's created a new life. Satan then tries to reverse everything God does. That's what he's been on. Just reversing everything, contradicting everything God does. And so God gives the first baby, gives the first life, Satan then wants to take it out. And that's what he does. He takes, fills Cain with, tempts him to be filled with rage and hatred to his brother, to the boiling point where it boils over. And then he moves Cain to murder his brother and take away the gift of life God had given him. This is Satan's work in the world. He's behind killing babies. He's behind abortion. This is his work, to try to get back at God, to try to take away life that God gives on the earth. That's what he's done from the beginning, Jesus said. All the history. And Satan has begun to ramp that up as God. Okay, let me say it, back up and say it this way. Satan is doing it here to, con- to, uh, to oppose God's work of physical life on the earth. But when God began to bring about his work of salvation through Israel, Satan ramped up his work to seek to stop that work and to kill that work and the people involved in it to oppose God's work of spiritual life on the earth. And that revolves around the nation of Israel. Satan hates the nation of Israel... Persecutes the nation of Israel, fights against them because God used them to bring the Savior into the world. And he hates that. He hates Israel because of what God did through Israel to bring the Word of God in the world, but then ultimately to bring Jesus into the world, to be the Savior of the world, to save people from dying, going to hell forever with Satan, to rescue them, bring them into God's presence in heaven forever. And heaven and earth will be joined in eternal life. Satan hates that and he targets Israel because of that. We find this revealed in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, where John is given a vision of a woman with 12 stars on her head and that's Israel and the 12 stars of the 12 tribes and it says this woman is with child And she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God in his throne. That's Israel. That's the male child is Jesus. He's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. When he's caught up to God in his throne, it says. The woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. For 1,260 days. And then in verse 13 it says, When the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood. After the woman, they may may, cause her to be carried away by the flood, but the earth helped the woman and opened his mouth and swallowed up the flood. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. and He went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, that's going to occur at the middle of the tribulation, those events in its entirety. But this tells us where Satan's mind is. He hates Israel because Israel bore Jesus, brought Jesus into the world physically. He hates Israel because of that. And he is enraged with Israel and he wars against her and fights against her and persecutes her (coughs) by trying to kill as many of them as possible. And that is what transpired week before last. That has transpired throughout history since Jesus has been born. And there's been many incidents of it from the Inquisition through the Middle Ages that sought to kill Jews and Christians, but Jews, and to kill them, Satan was behind that as a part of this Rage against Israel. The, the uh, Nazis' persecution of the Jews was a manifestation of this. Yeah, Hitler had his goals of world conquest, but he was motivated, whether he realized it or not, he was motivated by Satan. His rage was against Israel. He hated the Jews. He wanted to kill as many as possible. And Satan was behind that. The Holocaust with Satan's work of being enraged against Israel. All of them, the persecution since then. The continual wars, the six or seven wars, however it's been, where when Israel reestablished their nation in 1948, the Muslims around Israel have constantly been fighting them. That. that piece of land there in Jerusalem, where the temple is, it is not... That valuable, that they would fight just over that. There is a spiritual basis behind their fighting. I mean, it's just—it's a chunk of rock over there. You go over there, I mean, it's like there's a whole bunch of limestone, and they got to really work to make stuff grow. Why do they want it so much? It's because that's the place Jesus came, and that's the place He's going to reign from. And Satan hates that, and Satan is moving. Those Muslims who follow him, it's a satanic religion, they follow him, and he's moving them to hate them because he's enraged with them and he tries to kill them. And that is what happened week before last, the next stage of it. They did that when in 1948 with the War of Independence. There was a 1956, there was a a war, an attack. In 1967, there was a big one with the Six-Day War. In 1973, there was another. And now, this is the next major one. And it is major. It is a major world event that has happened. And it is a major, next major war to put in that line. And Satan is behind all of those because he is enraged with Israel because they bore Jesus. And he wants to kill them. And that is why those Hamas terrorists stormed those villages. You say, why would they just go and kill babies and do all this stuff? Because... Satan's rage is in them. That's their father. And he's a murderer. And they wanted to kill as many people as they could. Because Satan, that's what Satan is doing against God. And he's targeting Israel because Israel was created by God and is the tool of God to bring salvation <coughs> to the world. And Jesus was a Jew. And Satan hates them because of that. It all goes back. It all started right here. The first murder. Satan was behind that. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he's murdering now. I want to read one last verse in Revelation that tells us how we're going to move toward this. And this is what is being developed in our world today. In Revelation chapter 6, one of the, when the second seal is opened, in verse 3 it says verse 4 a horse fiery red went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another and there was given to him a great sword I think that refers to Jesus allowing Satan to carry out the works he wants to the man of sin and it is he wants to kill people take peace from the earth and we're seeing that more and more and more this is Satan's work. This is what's going to happen. And it's going to be targeted against Israel and everyone who helps Israel. That's why the Muslims say <clears throat> their target is Israel and America. They say Israel is the little Satan and that we're the big Satan because of our size. But Israel's is their real target and their real focus Jerusalem, the Temple Mount. But they target us too. Why? Because. Because we're helping Israel. We've always helped Israel. And that is what we should do. God said through the the prophets, those who help Israel will be blessed. And God still has future purpose for Israel. So we should help them in matters such as this. That means Satan's going to target us too. The terrorists will target us. And I, I say that we we all should be on guard. We should all be prepared. I believe there will be terrorist attacks in our nation coming. We we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. The sad thing about what happened with Israel these last days, they they let their guard down. They had a fence. Troops were supposed to be on that fence 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They let their guard down. There was a feast. It was the Feast of Tabernacles right now, do you read about in the Old Testament. It was that feast, Feast of Tabernacles. They call it Sukkot in Israel today. It was the Sabbath of Sukkot. And they let, I heard a report, they let many of the army personnel go home for their holiday. And they left the fence unguarded. They left a few troops there. Those troops were easily overrun and killed. And then they had a free reign to those villages. And they were all caught off guard. We don't need to be caught off guard. We know the spiritual basis of this. This is going to happen. And I believe there will be some ramifications for us. We need to be on guard. And we need to seek God's help and protection. Because this is what's happened. This is the story behind the story. What Satan's been doing from the beginning. As we move toward the end of the days of this age, it will only increase more and more till it just becomes major. And this is what we witnessed in in these days. Satan hates God's people. He hates Israel because of how God used them. He hates Christians because they are believers in Jesus. And uh, I was reminded of this uh, this last week of reading some things. The Quran itself says, in their verses in the Quran, it says, wherever you find the infidels, kill them. That is what they are taught in the Quran. That is their religion. They are taught to kill the infidels. And you know who the infidels are? It's any unbeliever in, in, in the Allah. And, that's, and it, it goes on in the Quran and it identifies the main infidels are the Jews and the people of the book, and that's Christians. We're their target. And it's from Satan. There's a spiritual war going on that's underneath all of this physical war and fighting. And we need to be aware of that. But God's over it all. And we put our trust in him. And it's all going to play out as he designs under his control. And Jesus is going to win in the end. All right, let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Would you think about God's truth today? (coughs) Tremendous truth here. First birth, first sacrifice for sin, altar sacrifice to picture salvation, and then tragically the first murder that shows us the reality. We have an enemy. We need to look to Jesus and we need to put our trust in Him. Thank you, Lord, for your great power that you give us all the answers in life. Your word directs us. And uh, thank you for the wisdom we have from it. Thank you for the wisdom today in these verses. And we have a verse we can, we can point to, we can quote and say, this is when life begins. It begins at conception. Your word identifies that for us. We can stand on your word and we can contend for the truth. Help us to do that in these days. Help us to do that in in these uh, elections, in this presidential debate where they're moving away from standing for life and they're caving. Help us to stand for your truth, to defend life that's from you and that murdering is from Satan. We've got to be on your side. There's no middle ground. Help us not ever to compromise or waver. Help us to stand in the days ahead of whatever may come and help us to to do your works as you will complete your works on the earth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming, uh, being the sacrifice for our sins, that we can be saved from the curse of sin, saved from death, saved from all of the ruin of our sin. Thank you for your salvation. And help us to live for you and to speak for you this week. And give us protection from any harm that anyone would seek to do to us and our families our friends. And give us wisdom and give us preparation for the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray.